Hello, everyone, and once again, welcome to the bonus episode for number three for Holy Week on Easter week. This is covering Tuesday, what would have been, it's hypothesized, March 31st of 33 AD. Now, in this one, we're going to talk about what picks up after the last episode on Monday. Jesus had given much teaching in the temple area. He had the, he had cursed the fig tree. We talked about the, the textual controversy over over the discrepancy alleged discrepancy between Matthew and Mark's accounts and then we we also went into Mark's account to show how that actually the final the final view of the fulfillment of his curse on the fig tree is found on the day that we're speaking of today and that's found in in Mark uh, chapter 11 verse 20 Um, we've already covered that that is the thing that occurs then and then following that he goes back into the temple grounds and continues to teach he gets involved in several controversies Matthew's account shows him in conflict with the Sadducees he has a conflict with the Pharisees and the Herodians this is all in Matthew chapter 22 it picks up immediately after verse 14 where he says for many are called and few are chosen we talked about that kingdom parable and I did a breakdown analysis of that this has the famous line, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Uh, <laughs> it will be found in verse um, 20. This is where where uh, Jesus deals with how do you pay taxes? How do you, how do you obey the local authorities? Should they revolt against Rome? And he says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and unto God that the things that are God's. And people heard that, and they were amazed. And they, they, many went away. We forget that part. Many went away. Leaving him, they went away would be a way of word for word saying it. That's interesting, isn't it? He's been drawing great crowds throughout his ministry. And now in these final days, many go away. And you're going to continue to see this abandonment of Christ during this final week as he tours through Jerusalem. Um, On this day, between all these controversies, he talks about what the greatest commandment is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind all your soul, and that's the great and the first commandment, but the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depends the whole of the law and the prophets. And then he goes on to discuss a really important fulfillment of a messianic prophecy. You're going to find this in Matthew 22:41, when he's declared as the son of David. It says, Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David, he said to them, Then how does David, in the Spirit, call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare from that day on to ask him another question. <laughs> yeah, until the time of the trial, he's not asking him further questions. They're not going to try to catch him blasphemy as it were that's what they're going to accuse him of but uh, i just i love that line my, the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until i put your enemies beneath your feet that is one of the greatest of all fulfillments in there is that jesus the lord god yahweh says to my lord and and, and who is the lord so the lord said to my lord now in our english that just just sounds kind of weird the lord said to my lord well who is the lord the lord in the old testament there is is the tetragrammaton the unsayable word of, of God, the covenant God with Israel, Yahweh, improperly 
translated in the past as Jehovah, but it would be more like accurately to say to Yahweh, said to my Lord, Adonai, my sovereign king, sit at my right hand. So God says to the king, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath, beneath your feet. Gonna make your make the, make the enemies your footstool. <laughs> so Jesus is that Lord, and so in 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 the Greek it's kurios, but translation of probably out of the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And in that you're you're basically saying that Yahweh says to the Adonai, two names for God, but separate purposes. Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. I just I love that. So after. Various things. Jesus in chapter 23 is going to say all the woes unto the scribes and Pharisees. And he gets to the part where it says in verse 37 of 23, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who killed the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And after this, we see, that's the closing of chapter 23, and after this, we see in verses 20, in chapters 24 and 25, the Olivet, what is called the Olivet Discourse. So he goes into the Mount of Olives with his, with his disciples, and you will see in 24 and 25 various things which have to do with the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jesus, his body, and his resurrection, the second coming, a time that he calls the tribulation. Um, all of these things are found in 24 and 25. This is very eschatological. And depending on your view of eschatology, whether you are a, a preterist, a historicist, uh, someone who sees things as symbolic, or if you still believe you're a futurist, someone who still believes that these things are left unfulfilled, it will it will kind of taint the way you view those. It will definitely influence your, your opinion of those chapters. I'm going to read today from the Olivet Discourse. I'm going to read Mark's account in chapter 13 because it's much shorter. For time's sake, to keep these as short bonus episodes... And because of the wham-bam precision in which Mark writes, Mark's gospel is, has become a favorite of mine and one of my favorite books to study in New Testament um, textual uh, things as well because of its uh, many variances between it and the other gospels. But I like this one. So following in chapter 12 where he's had these conflicts with the, with the leaders of Israel during this time, this is, in, this is on Tuesday of, of that final week, it begins in chapter 13, verse 1. And as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. Let me stop there. After verse 3. You have here the inner circle. Uh, the disciples split into quadrangles, so into thirds. You had four, eight, twelve. You had twelve disciples. This inner circle of four was Peter, and it had his brother Andrew. And then you had the two sons of Zebedee, James and John. Of these four apostles, you have what would begin, be the beginnings of the, of the New Testament church, starting in the book of Acts. You're going to see, even on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches. James becomes sort of the senior pastor at the Church of Jerusalem. Peter then goes into evangelism. Uh, John becomes a pastor in, in Ephesus and other places and, and involved in, in evangelism. James becomes a martyr, the first of the twelve to die. And all of these happen, all these things happen. Andrew, we sort of lose track of. But originally, and initially at the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, this is his inner circle. So the four of them are with him, sitting, sitting there somewhere on the Mount of Olives, overlooking 
the temple, the temple area, and they're saying, you say that the temple is going to be destroyed, right, in this time. So then he's going to continue, and he's going to give them these signs. He says, tell, they say, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? Well, Jesus began to say to them, see to it that no one misleads you. Let no man deceive you is another way of, of saying that. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will mislead many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations, and when they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say. But say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one who is on the housetop must not go down or go in to get anything out of his house. And the one who is in the field must not turn back to get his coat. But woe, or calamity, or doom is another way of saying that, woe. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that it may not happen in the winter. For those days will be a time of tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation, which God created until now, and never will. Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he has shortened the days. And then, if anyone says to you, Behold, here he is, the Christ, or behold, he is there, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise, and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But take heed. Behold, I have told you everything in advance. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send forth the angels, and will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender, and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this general generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Take heed, keep on the alert. You do not know when the appointed time will come. It is like a man away on a journey who, upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore be on the alert. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert.
We're going to end with the Olivet Discourse. I won't go into a great eschatological teaching about this. Uh, you know the major views on this anyway. In previous episodes, we've talked about eschatology. The preterist, the full preterist would say all of this was completed in the first century, including that son of man coming in the air in power and being witnessed throughout the earth. They say that there is sort of a symbolic view of this occurring shortly after 70 AD with the sign of the temple's destruction and the Jews being dispersed as well, that all these things were fulfilled, that this generation was actually put on trial for the cause of Christ and many were slain. This view is tended to be embraced by amillennialists and some postmillennialists. You have partial preterists say that many of these things were, fit, were fulfilled. Some are still left, but they don't include the idea of the millennial kingdom upon the earth. So therefore, that's not what it's about. The time of tribulation is now or sometime in the future, but there will be a second coming of Christ. That's not been fulfilled. And then you have those futurists that I mentioned earlier. Now, for them, most of this has not been fulfilled. The destruction of the temple, the persecution of the early generation, the first generation of saints of the church, of course, that did that was fulfilled. But the rest of this is, is future. This time of great tribulation that has never existed before nor never will again, a futurist would say, wait, you can't have that line fulfilled in the first, in the first century because we've had far more Christians killed worldwide since then. We've had far more destruction of the Jews since then. Just look at the 20th century alone. That's a lesson in atrocity. What man's evil against man is capable of. So I leave it to the listener to decide for themselves what they think was in view here. But this is one of the things that Jesus was talking about in his last days on the earth to, before the crucifixion as to what he wanted his disciples to be aware of. He was giving them a prophecy. that He was going to leave them. They were going to get the Holy Spirit. And then they were going to be on fire for him but they were going to suffer for his name. And indeed, everyone who's ever followed Christ has to suffer. These things are, they're God-ordained. If they hated him, they'll hate us. Keep that in mind. I hope you have a safe and happy day, and I will be back tomorrow with another episode.